Hey, it's Rebecca Lieb. And I'm Jason Horton. And we are Ghost Town, a show about weird history, hauntings, unexplained events, true crime, and all kinds of bizarre phenomenon the world over. From unsolved murders to haunted manners. Satanic panic to internet mysteries. Buy a ticket to our abandoned amusement park. A VIP ghost pass to our haunted club? No. Bottle service. We have new episodes of Ghost Town every Wednesday and Friday, and you can find Ghost Town wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Greetings and welcome back. I have another hair-raising collection of tales. Sure to, well, raise your hair. Now, as you listen this evening, keep in mind the stories you're about to hear are not only true, but they're being told directly from those that experienced these odd occurrences. And boy, do I have a collection of these stories for you. But before we begin, have you guys seen this baby dinosaur video that came out of Central Florida last month? Now, it's a short five-second clip captured on security camera of some creature running across a residential yard. Now, although we only get a short look at the thing, what we can see certainly does look like some sort of small raptor-like dinosaur. Now, I've linked to the video and what local news station Fox 35 Orlando had to say regarding the prehistoric capture. Is there a raptor loose in Palm Coast? One homeowner is questioning whether the prehistoric creatures are back after seeing a dinosaur-like animal running across their yard. Fox 35 viewer Christina Ryan says her security camera captured the footage this week. Any animal we can come up with that would be walking at 3.40 in the morning wouldn't walk this way, she told Fox 35. Maybe I've watched Jurassic Park too many times, but I see a raptor or other small dinosaur. She says everyone she's shown the video to comes up with the same conclusion. It looks like a baby dino. Well, now many people think this one is easily explained as a peacock, a turkey, or even a dog with a bucket on its head. I'll take a look in the video in the show notes and tell me what you think. And you know, with all this dinosaur talk, I decided to call one up. Please join me in welcoming David from Kentucky to the program. Uh, yes, this is uh, David. Uh, I live in a small town in uh, southeastern Kentucky. I'd been listening to the show recently, and a few people called in about uh, seeing a dinosaur-like creature. Well, it was probably somewhere in the mid to late 90s. It was the summertime. We were 
out for uh, summer vacation. And me and my friend, we were, um, you know, just out playing, hanging around, you know, like, like kids do. And I kept seeing these eyes and having this real funny feeling, you know, like something was, was watching us. And now that I think about it, it was kind of stupid, but trying to be brave, I guess, or whatever, I, I decided that I'm going to, you know, go see well, what it is. Well, I go to where I see the eyes behind a big maple tree, and I appear behind it, and there's this creature looking me right in the face. It freaked me out so bad that it, it took my brain a minute to process, you know, what what I was seeing. And a, a dinosaur is the, is the only thing I can think of to, to describe what this thing was, because... I'd never seen anything like it before, ever. It was probably three to four feet tall. Like the the one lady said, a, a velociraptor is the only thing I can think to even describe this thing to you. It was about three foot tall, had scaly skin. It was bipedal. It only stood on two legs. And... I just screamed out, you know, what, what the heck? And we, we took off running, and you, you could hear this thing running through the woods after us, and it, it freaked me out so bad that I, I wouldn't come outside at night by myself for, like, the next two to three months. I, I told my dad about it, and, of course, you know, he, he thought I was crazy. You know, who the, who the heck's going to believe, you know, you, you saw a, a dinosaur? <laughs> so I, I just kind of kept it to myself, but... I heard, you know, that those other people had seen something similar, so maybe I'm not as crazy as, as, as everybody thought I was. This was no no animal with the mange or, or anything like this. I mean, I, I was literally looking this thing right in the face, and it had on the top of its head, there were two rows of, like, knots on top of its head. There was two rows of three. And it had, like, scaly skin, and if I'm not mistaken, it had, like, a, a reddish kind of colored skin to it. And, I mean, I, I know it wasn't a dinosaur, but I don't know if it was some kind of, like, uh, the lizard men or, or, or whatever. It was the wildest thing I, I'd ever seen in my life. And I, I really loved the show, and uh, I'm glad to have somewhere where I can tell this story, you know, where somebody actually might believe that... Uh, I'm not lying. Uh, thank you for your time. Goodbye. Thanks, David. Now, that's certainly not the first report like this that we've heard. Now, I will admit, however, it is an odd climate to see a dinosaur. You know, as if any climate would be normal. But it's just that Kentucky can get pretty cold. But the fact that the sightings take place in Kentucky also help make it somewhat relevant. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you may remember me mentioning some brutal animal attacks in the Bluegrass State. The long list of victims includes, but is not limited to, several dogs, three miniature horses, six llamas, five sheep, and tragically, a young man was also attacked and killed last February. Now, most state officials claim the attacks are to be blamed on coyotes and wild dogs, but many in the area disagree. Some claim some sort of big cat is to blame. 
but as of yet, no one has suggested a dinosaur. Now, of course, I'm by no means suggesting a three-foot raptor-type creature is going around Kentucky killing everything in sight. But I do find it peculiar and, I suppose, morbidly interesting that both David's encounter and these mysterious deaths just so happen to be from the same state. Now, out of respect for Corey Godsey and his family, the 13-year-old boy killed in the February 2020 attack, the state has released its official findings on the case. After weeks of investigation, state police now know what led up to the death of a teenager in Knott County. This animal attack happened in the Emilina community of Knott County. At the time, officials said 13-year-old Corey Godsey died from some sort of animal attack. Today, KSP confirmed Godsey was attacked by feral dogs. Officials were able to trap a pack of dogs near the area, and DNA samples matched those found on Godsey. The incident remains under investigation. Now that clip courtesy of WKYT, CBS News, out of Lexington. And I realize Kentucky's a big state, and these killings aren't exactly taking place in a small area. But the sheer number of attacks, their magnitude, and the fact that they all occur in the bluegrass state makes the entire situation impossible to overlook. Yet somehow, these odd cases seem to be largely ignored by the national press. Now, I know we have some researchers and fellow hosts listening, so maybe they can do the digging that I simply don't have time to do. But I do know one thing. I think we're all quite anxious for some more information. And thanks again, David, for taking the time to share your entry. Now, if you're like David and you saw something strange that you simply couldn't explain, why not call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or visit the website at monstersamonguspodcast.com for more submission options. Now, up next, we stay in the state of Kentucky. Jack, welcome to the program. And please, tell us what you saw. Hi, Derek. This is Jack from South Central Kentucky again, and wanted to share with you some of my personal paranormal stories. So when I was very young, really and truly before the time that I can even remember anything, all of these stories that I'm about to tell, by the way, have been relayed to me throughout my life. I don't remember any of these things happening. It's almost like there's a slight memory there that's just kind of hidden away but I can't quite seem to bring it up or get to it. But I guess I have like vague remembrances. But anyway, most of this is just what I've heard throughout my life. So when I was very young, probably about two, I started, you know, I guess talking to what, you know, initially everybody just said was my imaginary friend. My mom said that I would just look, you know, kind of up in the air and start talking and laughing like I was you know, communicating with somebody. And, you know, my mom said that when, when I would be talking, things would just seem a little weird. You know, something was a little off. Uh, my mom is pretty perceptive to things like this. So she, you know, she definitely felt something she said. So eventually I, I started saying uh, whatever this thing or entity was, uh, I called it Johnny. And um, which is interesting because my legal name is John. Jack is a nickname of John, 
And uh, John happened to be my grandfather's name and his dad's name, which kind of leads me into another part of the story, which is I used to also talk about this little old man. Now, I don't remember, but it could be that Johnny and the little old man were the same thing that I was seeing. I'm not sure. I do remember being really small, probably, you know, five and looking out our back window, we had a, I grew up in a Victorian house and there was a storm shelter, a very rudimentary, rough looking storm shelter that was built out of just some limestone rocks that probably were on the property. Not something that, you know, you'd want to go in. There's probably snakes and all sorts of stuff in there. But I remember looking out my window and just thinking, I know I've seen that old man in there. Um, I do remember that, but I didn't actually see him at that time. So at, at Christmas, uh, probably, you know, I was two or three, uh, so this would have been in 1990, maybe. Uh, you know, I grew up in an old house, and the ceilings were very tall, and so we would always get a, a real Christmas tree, and this particular year it was about, you know, 11 or 12 feet tall. You know, a very, very tall tree, especially for a little kid. But my mom walked in the living room one night and noticed that some of the lights were off on the tree, and she thought that was weird. And so she walked over and realized that the lights had been cut with a pair of scissors um, up the tree far enough that it was higher than I could reach. I do have two older sisters, but I can't imagine that they would have done something like that, you know, cutting electrical lights that were plugged in. You know, they're both older than me, so they have they had more sense than that then. And also, I think it scared everybody so much that they they would have told if if it was actually them. But my mom also noticed that night that some of the Christmas packages had kind of been, uh, not torn up, but like the paper on them had been kind of shredded, almost like claw marks or something. And, you know, I've heard my mom tell this story so many times, and every time she always ends that with, you know, there is no way that Jack could have done that. You know, it had to be something else. So getting back to kind of the little old man part of this, I was actually at my aunt's house one night. I used to stay with her a lot when I was a kid. Her daughter is probably about 20 years older than me, so or maybe 15. So she was a teenager at this time. And we were all um, sleeping in the same bed. It was my aunt, me, and my cousin. And the bed was positioned in front of the window in, in that particular room. And at some point in the night, my aunt said that I kind of rolled around in the bed and and looked up. And she said I was poking my head up over the the headboard and looking out the window. Then I said to my aunt, I woke her up and said, hey, you know, my my old man friend is outside your house looking in your window. He really likes you. And she said, I just went back to sleep after that. And she did not. (laughs) Neither did my cousin. She said they were very scared that night. And she was actually the one that proposed the idea that it could have been, Johnny could have been my great-grandfather. Another cousin and I, who's closer in age to me, one year at Christmas, saw an old man at the top of the stairs. I don't really remember it happening again, but I remember being really scared and, you know, everybody coming and running to us because we screamed. But, yeah, so some pretty crazy stuff. I haven't experienced anything like this, you know, after probably the age of five. I guess I I just kind of grew out of whatever it was. 
but I like to think Johnny's still around every now and again. <laughs> anyway, wanted to share that story with you. Thanks for the podcast. I really enjoy uh, the format that you give uh, or the opportunity that you give people uh, with your format to tell their own stories. So um, hope you have a great one and uh, peace. Thank you, Jack, for sharing. Now, it wasn't all that long ago that I spoke about my cousin's creepy imaginary friend. Memories of that still give me the chills. But I suppose there's something touching about the thought of our long-dead relatives hanging around to welcome the new children into the world. That is, as long as they actually are who they claim to be. Thanks again, Jack, for sharing your story. Now our next eerie entry takes us to my state of California. Please join me in welcoming Jordan to the program. Hey Derek, this is Jordan. I live in Los Angeles, California. I'm sure you're familiar with that area, um, although this story takes place in Connecticut where I grew up. Uh, it was the early 90s. I was in fifth or sixth grade at the time, so it would have been 90 or 91. And this was in the northwest corner of the state of Connecticut, pretty close to the borders of both Massachusetts and New York. If you're familiar with that area. It was a, a November night. So it was very clear. You could see all the stars. There was only one traffic light in this small town, very rural town. And I was over at a friend's house. We were, a bunch of us from school were playing hide and go seek at night, running around in the dark like crazy kids. So we were playing in this uh, soccer field and I chose a spot to hide behind one of the goalposts pretty far from where the other kids were and I was lying down. It was a cold, crisp night. All the stars were out. I'm looking up at the, at the stars and something caught my eye over the, the crest of the mountain. Now this, this part of the state was the uh, foothills of the Berkshire Mountains. So, you know, not, not as big as the mountains that you'd find in Southern California, but bigger than a hill, let's just say that. Uh, what caught my eye was this hat-shaped craft that was darker than, than the color of the sky because the sky was full of stars and this thing was, you know, jet black. And it was the shape of uh, like a straw hat, right? But all around the rim of the hat were these colored lights that were just going around and around and around. And I was awestruck when I saw this. Um, I've, I've seen other things in the sky that I can't identify over the years. I've seen at least three different UFOs on three different occasions here in California. I've been out here for at least 15 years. And I've seen other things in New England as well. But nothing like this first encounter I had when I was, uh, you know, in fifth or sixth grade. Because it was relatively close. You know, I'm, I, I can't really measure distance all that well, but you could easily hike to the, the top of this mountain in under an hour. And this thing was right over the crest of, of the mountain, over the peak, over the top of the trees, just hovering there. It wasn't making a sound. But like I said, it had all these colored lights that were just going around the rim of this thing. So finally, I mean, I was in a trance looking at this. Uh, but finally, I got to my feet and I yelled to the kids that were still trying to find me because I was, you know, hidden there because I, I needed validation. I, I needed someone else to see what I was seeing. So I yelled to the closest kid that I could spot through the dark. And it was like this craft knew that I had spotted it. And it went from totally motionless hovering there to zigzagging at an incredible speed and then just 
took off, disappeared. And luckily, the kid that I had yelled to came running up to me, saw me pointing and yelling and saw this thing before it, it took off. And it was a good thing, too, because the other kids wouldn't have believed me <laughs> had it not been for this other kid who saw it, who was more popular than me. <laughs> so we both saw it. But here's the kicker. So my father picks me up the next morning because of a sleepover party. And I described this object to my dad. And he had said he saw the same exact thing that I described the night previous, right? So whatever this thing was, was clearly interested in this small town in Connecticut to be around two nights in a row. That's my story. I've, I've had other things happen to me. What's ironic is that I have a UFO story for you. But personally, I have a, a podcast that I do about ghosts. But personally, I, I just haven't had a lot of ghostly encounters. But like I said, I've had at least five different UFO encounters over the years. But like I said, nothing like that first one where it was absolutely couldn't have been anything of this world. The way it moved, the way it hovered there without a sound, the way it looked, everything. So yeah, that's my story. Thanks, Jordan. You know, I actually had a somewhat similar experience growing up back in Ohio. We too were playing night tag or hide and go seek just off the second highest hill in the county just happened to be up the road from my dad's place. Well, that's when us kids all stopped to watch a few weird, bluish-white-colored lights dance around the sky in the distance. Now, looking back, everyone in that group swore these were aliens. Except for me. I remember being quite skeptical and hip enough to realize that all this action was taking place directly above our regional airport, some ten minutes away. Now, I imagine they were Cessna or other small craft in a holding pattern of some sort, simply waiting to land. Now, despite the likely explanation, it was still an exciting event. So I could only imagine the thoughts racing through your head at the time, Jordan. So thank you for sharing the call. Breaking news. This is an important PSA brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. Now, this new trimmer was just released, and I'm one of the first to get my hands on it and share the news. Now, join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. Take 20% off and free worldwide shipping with coupon code MONSTERS at manscaped.com. Now, I absolutely love these guys at Manscaped, and I'm blown away by the performance of the new 4.0 trimmer. Now, it was created for people who like to travel, with a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. And I also love the 4K LED spotlight that helps me get a more precise shave. Now, the new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. And did I mention that it charges wirelessly? Now, on top of that, it's also waterproof, so you can groom in the shower without making a mess of the whole bathroom. Now, summer is almost here, so if you're still rocking that winter coat, it's time to make some changes. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code MONSTERS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code MONSTERS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show, so thank you for listening. 
and back to the spooky stuff. Now, ironically, this next call takes us back to Ohio. Joey, the mic is yours. Hey, this is Joey from Ohio again. I decided to call back about a sort of paranormal experience that I had in high school. So I was probably 15 or 16, and I was staying at my friend's house, and I'll just leave their name anonymous for now. And they had a very... um, aggressive and abusive father so you know it was a particularly bad day there (laughs) dealing with him and that night we were you know staying up late you know as kids do in high school when you're having sleepovers and whatnot and we kept hearing footsteps in the hallway and kind of how the house was laid out there was the living room and then there was like a wall and then there was an opening that led to a hallway and there was another bedroom, the bathroom, and then my friend's room at the end of this hallway. And so it kind of like wrapped around. So the living room, you could hear everything going on there from the bedroom. And we kept hearing footsteps walk through the living room, around the wall, and then through the hallway, and then back again. So at one point, you know, we peeked out and didn't see anything. And we're like, oh, okay, maybe someone just got up and and went to the bathroom or something. So, you know, a few minutes pass, and I'm like, okay, I'm really thirsty. Let's, you know, go to the kitchen. And the kitchen's on the other side of the living room, so you have to go all the way through all of this area. You know, I'm like, okay, let's go get a drink. And so, you know, we go out there, and as soon as we get around the corner of the wall where you can start going into the living room, we see this... (laughs) I don't know how to explain it without sounding ridiculous basically a humanoid shape but it was like red and orange and distorted and like basically a shadow person but red and orange like it wasn't fully tangible it kind of looked like a mixture of like you know those like fake flames like the fake fires in like fireplaces it it kind of looked like it was made up of that And, you know, this thing rips its head around, looks at us. There's no features on the face, but its head just turns, and then it sinks into the floor. So we just run back to the room, and I'm like, what the hell was that? And my friend is like, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. I'm like, what do you mean you've seen that before? And they're like, yeah, anytime that it's like a really emotionally charged day in the house, I'll see that thing or I'll hear things moving around, or things will fly off shelves, and I'm like, whoa, okay, that would have been nice to know. But I tried doing research on it, and the only thing I can find is that, like, sometimes living people can, like, create poltergeists. I don't know if anyone has a better theory on that, or, like, a more logical theory, but I'd love to hear it. I love the show, and, uh, Thank you for giving us a platform to talk about some of the crazy stuff we've seen. (laughs) Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Joey. You know, oddly enough, as I listened to this story for the first time, I had the same initial thought. Someone in the house is somehow manifesting this entity, no doubt as a result of the violent behavior of the father figure. Now, typically, when we hear stories like this, It involves an adolescent young person, and given this was a sleepover, I'd say the conditions here were downright perfect. 
Now we've also heard stories of flame-like entities before. Not as often as the other outlined humanoids, the Hat Man, Shadow Man, Static Man, Glimmer Man, and so forth. But enough that this strange phenomenon is at least on our radar. So thanks again, Joey, for sharing the entry. And if you're still in contact with that friend, I'd love to hear his side of all this as well. Now tonight's episode is also brought to you by a brand new small business, Paranormal Puzzles. Need something fun to do while you're listening to MAU? Well, Paranormal Puzzles just launched an exciting campaign on Kickstarter, featuring two awesome designs by our favorite, Rob Morphy of Cryptonaut Podcast. Now, just to clarify, these are paranormal-themed jigsaw puzzles, not the puzzles haunted by the paranormal entities themselves. But either way, you need to check out the two terrifying designs that they launched with. The first one, the Ultra Terrestrials, features an array of your favorite cryptids as well as ghosts, UFOs, and even the infamous Hatman. The second design is the Owlman of Cornwall, a menacing winged creature described as a feathered birdman that's best known for frightening two girls in England back in 1976. Now, Paranormal Puzzles is offering MAU listeners who back their Kickstarter a $5 gift card to the Monsters Among Us shop. Well, that's if the Kickstarter is fully funded at the end of the campaign. Now, to claim this offer, you must send a screenshot of your pledge to the Paranormal Puzzles Facebook page. The first five backers will get the gift card instantly after pledging, whether the project is successful or not. So, don't delay. Head to ParanormalPuzzles.com to back the Kickstarter now through July 4th. And follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Paranormal Puzzles. And if you're listening to this podcast after July 4th, 2021, I hope you're enjoying your alien overlords. And ParanormalPuzzles.com is still the place to go. More puzzles will be in the works after the Kickstarter campaign ends. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So, thank you for listening. And back to the spooky stuff. Now, since we just spoke about the Hatman Shadowman phenomena, I figured, why not share a call regarding these dark strangers? And to help us out, please welcome Wes from Michigan to the program. Hi, Derek. It's uh, Wes from Michigan. I love the podcast. I listen to it all day at work, and I'm also about to sign up for your Patreon, so I'm looking forward to all those. I have a story that took place about six years ago, so 2014, 2015 in that area. Me and my wife at the time were living at my grandma's house in uh, Martin, Michigan. It's kind of right between Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids. But one day, she got up earlier than me for work. So she got up, you know, I kind of rolled over, told her bye, and went back to sleep. Well, a couple of minutes later, I felt like something was, I, I woke up out of a dead sleep, and I felt like something was staring at me. While I rolled over, I was facing the middle of the bed, I rolled over to face the, my edge of the bed, and there was a, a dark figure standing over me next to the bed. I didn't really think much about it because my wife at the time just got up. So I thought it was her and she had something to say to me. Well, when I looked up, it, it was pitch black in the room. You know, it, it, this is it was probably about 4, 4.30 in the morning. It's dark in the room. And I just asked her, what's up? What do you need? And the figure just stood there looking down on me. At that same time, I heard the garage door open and... 
I could hear her car rolling out and then the door shutting. As soon as I heard that, I continued looking at this figure and it leaned in closer to me. At this time, I'm freaked out and I just I didn't know what to do. So I I think I just did the response that everyone did. I just kind of closed my eyes and just kept telling myself, it is, it's not real, it's not real, it's not real. And when I opened my eyes, the figure was gone. I don't know if it was uh, a thing, like it was in my imagination because how dark the room was, or if it was a shadow person. I never thought much about it after that, and I never told anyone about it, but listening to your podcast, listening to the other stories, gave me a lot of courage and everything to call in and tell you my story and... I hope uh, you enjoyed it, and I uh, hope it helps you to share in your thoughts on it. All right, you have a great day, and talk to you later. Thank you, Wes, and thanks for joining us on Patreon. You can join Wes for as low as a dollar a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast. There's a dollar level, four dollar level, and an eight dollar level. Either way, there's tons of goodies there waiting for you. Now, as for Wes's story. You know, I recently bought an object for a dollar that just might eliminate experiences like this one. You see, a year or so back, I found myself in a dollar tree, picking up something, probably super glue or batteries for my remotes, when I stumbled upon an LED nightlight that cycled in different colors. Well, anyone that knows me knows that I love color-changing lights, so I picked up a few. And as you can imagine, it gets pretty dark here in the mountains, so I ended up putting one in our bedroom. I say all that to tell you this. The different colors that it cycles through, blue, green, red, I believe, illuminated the room in quite different ways, making the hoodie hanging on the back of the door monstrous in one shade and look like a hoodie hanging on the back of the door in several of the others. Now, I've thus far been unsuccessful in capturing any sort of shadow figure to test his theory on. But my thought here is this. If you have the light in your room and you think you see one of these entities, simply wait for the light to change. See what further detail can be garnered from a different shade of light. Then comes the scary part, when the figure doesn't change, no matter the color. Now let me know if anyone tries this and if it worked or not. Or maybe I've just been cooped up too long. Either way, thank you, Wes, for sharing the entry. Now our next story comes to us from Matt in the state of Virginia. Hi, Derek. This is Matt from Virginia. Love the podcast. I'm from northern Virginia, Loudoun County, which is a D.C. suburb but we regularly take vacations at a lake, a man-made lake called Lake Anna, which is in central Virginia. It's fairly remote. It's near a state park. The lake and the uh, nuclear power plant are kind of all that's there, but we take the kids there for long weekends to go tubing and fishing and stuff. So this was in 2020, around July. We went for a long weekend with the kids and we took them to a playground in the morning. We're kind of driving back to the house we rented, and we're driving around the neighborhood, again, right on the lake. 
you know, we're also surrounded by, you know, some forest. And we, we turned a corner and we saw two large cats on the left side of the road. One was slightly larger than the other, almost like they looked like a breeding pair or a mother and an adolescent. And when we first saw them, it was a beautiful sunny day. We were about 100 yards away. And me and my wife were like, well, what is that? What are those things? And then as we got closer, we were driving slowly. We got to about 30 or 40 yards. They both confidently walked across the road and into the woods on the right side. And they did it in about four steps. Never looked at us, never acknowledged us. Looked to be about, you know, bodies were about four feet long with long slender tails, which might have been about three to four feet long as well. I think the strangest part was the color. They were sort of a brindle, like a tan and black, like you see on some dog breeds. And I don't claim to be an animal expert, but at no point did I think, oh, someone's dogs got loose or those are coyotes. These were from the tail to the gate to the ears. They looked like big cats. They looked like mountain lions that were brindle, which is actually what I thought they were. I didn't think it was that strange. I don't know a ton about the animals in the area. I've been there for a few weekends. But then I started looking it up online and I found that there really aren't supposed to be mountain lions in this part of the country. And I can't find any photos of a mountain lion that color. So don't know exactly what we saw. Would love any thoughts you have. Thanks so much and keep up the great work. Thank you, Matt, for sharing. You know, sometimes I take flack for sharing these ABC or alien big cat calls. Some of those complaining falsely claim that the creature is not a cryptid or a subject of the paranormal. But I can assure you, it is indeed a cryptid and also quite paranormal in nature. For starters, the out-of-place animal phenomena easily encompasses these sightings. Now, I also get complaints that the stories are not scary enough. Well, as a witness of one of these beautiful oddities, I can assure you there is a certain amount of concern that comes with any sighting. And if you don't take my word for it, ask the citizens of Pamet, Massachusetts. Folks back that way claim their region is stalked by an infamous beast that they call the Pamet Puma. The legendary Pamet Puma has huge resonance in Truro. They're even naming the new kids' playground after it. Why? Well, back in 1981, something weird started happening in the woods and farms of Truro. Livestock was getting mauled, and people thought they saw a giant cat. First, we took a look in the Cape Cod Times archives from the 1980s, and man, there were a lot of stories about the attacks on the pets and the farm animals and the sightings of this strange cat-like beast. Cape Cod National Seashore Ranger Brian Lenardi has been delving into the Pamit Puma mystery. The beginnings of the legend kind of started in the winter of 81 and 82. Uh, there was a series of sightings and also um, some dead house cats that kind of came up. And there was also uh, a pig. David Koss had a pig that was attacked. It had some scratch marks on its back and a big chunk taken out of its neck. So that kind of got a lot of the residents kind of wondering what's going on here. Now, how about sightings of the animal? Have they been numerous? Quite numerous, actually. Uh, back in the early 80s, there were 
quite a few. Uh, a police officer saw one dart in front of its car, and he actually kept it in its headlights for a while. Uh, got a really nice look at it there. Some people saw it on the bike trail. Lots of sightings then, and actually I've found quite a few people have seen it even in the past five years, so it's, it's come up again. Now that clip is courtesy of CapeCast, the official podcast of the Cape Cod Times. And like Kentucky, which we previously mentioned, this place too has had a few flaps of violent animal behavior. So, contrary to at least the belief of a few, these cryptids are scary, and they can be dangerous. And stories about them, at least to me, will never get old. So thanks again, Matt, for sharing your entry. Now before we dive into our final call of the evening... I have a brief entry from Mariah in Montana. So Mariah, take it away. My name is Mariah. I'm from a small town in Missouri. Um, so this happened probably around 2000. I was about eight years old playing hide and seek with my friend at the time who it was her birthday. So we were camping outside right where she lived just off into the timber. There is a cell phone tower. So we were playing hide and seek one night and my friend Tyler and I, we decided to lay up on top of this boulder that was too tall for any of us to see the top of, but we could climb up onto it. And as we're laying down, we look off into the distance and on this cell phone tower, all of a sudden this set of green and fuchsia flashing lights flies up to it. It's kind of like a circular looking craft. It's hard to see because it's dark, but I mean, the sun had probably just set a little while ago so you could see the outline still. And it was hovering over the cell phone tower, almost like it was docking on it. It seemed to me at the time in my little brain like it was gathering our signals and kind of trying to intercept some signals and get some information. I don't know what it was at the time, but I freak out. I look over at Tyler. She's looking at me. We both look back, and it's gone. I mean, we were in a small town in Missouri, so... It's not like there was a lot of obstructions that we just wouldn't have seen it fly away. We saw a lot of the sky and it just disappeared. And it wasn't like the lights had just shut off because I could still see the outline before of the craft. It was just gone. I don't know what it would have been. Anytime we tell anyone about it, you know, they obviously think that we're crazy. But yeah, I hope that this is something you can use on your show. Maybe if you have any kind of more information shed on that. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Mariah. You know, another tag-slash-hide-and-go-seek UFO experience. I think this just goes to show you that you can see some pretty wild stuff if you go outside at night and look up. Now, I did a little digging in regards to UFOs being witnessed above or around cell phone towers. And surprisingly, I came up short. I mostly just uncovered insane conspiracy theories about aliens and 5G. Nothing worth relaying to you guys. So maybe someone out there listening has some insight on this. Now, if you do, I'd love it if you'd hit me up. In the meantime, Mariah, I'll keep my eyes and ears open for you. And thank you for submitting your story. Now, here we are, folks. The final entry of the evening. And this one is a bit odd and covers quite a bit of ground. But you know, I'll let Nick out of Washington tell you what happened. Hey, Derek. This is Nick from Washington State. New listener. Just discovered your podcast about a week or two ago. And uh, 
it's fantastic. I have an hour and a half commute to work and obviously the same home. So I listen to it constantly, binge listen to it. Anyways, I've had to deal with a ton of paranormal stuff throughout most of my life. So there's a lot of different stories. So I'll probably call in multiple times, but uh, here's three stories that are all kind of interconnected. So when I was little, my parents got divorced when I was around 10 and within like a week or two, a whole family moved in. And so all of a sudden I had a stepbrother and uh, we shared a room. We had bunk beds, but they were separate. So mine was in, like when you walked in the room, mine was in the uh, left corner. His was straight forward on the right corner. So anyways, after about a year of them living with us, I remember waking up one night uh, in the middle of the night for no reason that I can think of. I had rolled over to my right side and I looked and there was a black shape humanoid, but it had like really rounded features. So like when you look at the signs for bathrooms, you know, the symbols for like the male or female, it looked like the male symbol. And it was aiming right at my stepbrother. And I looked over and my stepbrother was staring at it. Like his eyes were wide open. I mean, it was insane. I sat up and the next thing I know, as soon as I sit up, that thing was across the room like in an instant and it was on top of him and my brother is screaming i mean screaming bloody murder and all of a sudden it was back at the door again and i'm still sitting up and i'm looking at this thing and then all of a sudden it was on my brother again and he's screaming again and then we hear the door pounding right like like it was stuck my dad trying to break in and the next thing i know that creature is gone and my dad slams the door open and he's freaking out he's like what the hell is going on and I'm speechless, I'm shaking. So I ended up not sleeping in my room that night. I actually went and slept in the hallway, just outside the room. And so anyways, every, I think it was like every other weekend and every Thursday, I would go stay with my mom. And it was a couple of weeks later and we had a small apartment, but I had my own room. So I wake up in the middle of the night and I see that same thing across the room. And before I have a chance to do anything, it's on top of me and I can feel its knee or something, its weight on my chest and it's just holding me down and I can't even scream, I can't breathe. And then next thing I know, it's back at the door again and then it's back on top of me. And again, I couldn't scream, I couldn't breathe, nothing and all of a sudden it was gone. And you, you could just feel it's just evil intent. I mean, just evil. And uh, I didn't smell anything or anything like that. It was intense. And then the third related story was just last year November 2019, my girlfriend and I are in Cannon Beach, Oregon, and we're having a, a fantastic time. It's night. We're down at the beach, kind of by Haystack Rock. We're at the, like, right by the water, and there's this other, this group of people with a little campfire, uh, just probably 30 yards inward and to the right, just a little ways. And her and I are just walking, and all of a sudden she's like, Nick, 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 look, look, you know, and she's kind of freaking out. And I'm like, what? And I look over, and there's this dark, blacker than black, dog looking creature coming out of the water and she's like as it's walking it's walking probably like uh 15 yards to our left coming out of the water going uh inwards and she's like do you do you see that and i'm like yeah and she's like well what do you see and so i described it to her and she agreed that's what she saw but it was like the size of like a german shepherd no head its legs are inverted like turned inward and it's walking past us and it looks like it notices it because it stops and kind of aims in our direction then it just once it about 30 yards inward it turns and starts heading towards the campfire group so then as it's walking past us heading towards that group you know i i had a pocket knife and i pulled it out knowing full well like that would do nothing and it didn't even provide me any comfort but anyways we're walking now off to our left to where it came out we wanted to skirt around it to head back towards the beach house that we were renting and as we're going we're watching it as it approaches that campfire group and we're like hurrying we're we're moving 
and we pulled our phones out to put our flashlights on and we could see these tracks in the wet sand and I can't I can't really describe what they looked like because we weren't sitting there like examining them we could just see them you know uh, and we just kept going and going and then as soon as we moved past the direction where it was going we didn't even bother like stick around and watch it we just left we went back to the to the beach house and both of us were just absolutely flabbergasted but she'd never experienced anything paranormal like that before and I've experienced a lot of stuff and I was freaking out like it was just insane so there's three things that's happened to me absolutely love your work fellow podcaster myself and your your uh, podcast is amazing it really really does help man listening to all these stories and hearing everyone else like, that's experienced all these different things just kind of confirms that you know I'm not crazy so anyways man keep up the good work thanks thank you sir these shadow entity attacks are downright frightening. Now, it's not often that you hear about violent altercations with any paranormal phenomena, let alone a shadow entity. You know, it almost makes me wonder if something else might be going on here as well. Something a little more nefarious, if you will. Now, as I've stated several times, I'm certainly not a shadow person expert, so I'll refrain from tossing out a bunch of wild guesses. The strange creature that emerged from the ocean, however, that, I feel, is a little more in my wheelhouse. Now, upon hearing the description of the creature, I couldn't help but think this sounds explainable. Now, I suppose there are several logical explanations I could propose. A prank, someone's shaggy dog, but I think the most likely culprit is the sea lion. Now, the size, shape, flipper description, and even the behavior all jive with what Nick shared with us. And if the animal emerged through some sort of seaweed or kelp, it's possible that it has plant debris hanging off of it, making it appear even more monstrous than it really is. But sea lions aren't exactly unknown. In fact, spotting these marine mammals is a bit of a must-do for many tourists visiting the coast. So why didn't Nick and his girlfriend recognize the creature as such, if that was the case? So if not a joke, a dog, or a known marine mammal... What else could it have been? Well, when one talks of mysterious animals off the coast of the Pacific Northwest, one of my favorite cryptids always comes to mind. Cat Borosaurus is a large animal, 30 to 40 feet long, 10 plus meters, that's been observed by many, many witnesses uh, on the BC coast. Uh, and also south to California, north to Alaska. It, uh, it has a long neck. Uh, it has a horsey or camel-like head. Uh, sometimes people see humps or, you know, coils. Sometimes they just see one hump. It moves very quickly. And it looks like it moves like, like up and down motion. Like a whale or like a, uh, a seal. Like mammals move, you know. Reptiles and fish move sideways, but mammals move up and down. And so Caddy moves like a mammal. That was the voice of Dr. Paul LeBlond, oceanographer and Cadborosaurus researcher. And that clip was courtesy of GIFs Films on YouTube. Now, most sightings of this cryptid are made from those on the water shoreline, typically seen as humps rising from the water's surface. Now, unfortunately, I was unable to find any known sightings of Caddy on land or walking on a beach. Now, Caddy is its affectionate nickname that many people in the area call it. 
but you know I was able to find one sighting from a unique angle. Pilot Don Barron's sighting, courtesy of the television program Animal X. Five years ago, pilot Don Behrens was on a training flight over Brentwood Bay when he directed his co-pilot to land near an object in the water. When the pair got closer, they realized they weren't heading for a stationary target. It was moving at high speed. There were two humps uh, sticking out of the water, approximately, I would say, maybe uh, eight inches to, uh, to a foot around. It was moving through the water very, very quickly, probably 20 miles an hour to start with and then accelerated to approximately 40 miles an hour. Don remembers the creature being the same color as a porpoise, but this was no ordinary marine animal. When we saw it, we were very surprised at what we had seen. It, it looked like the legendary sea monsters that we've, uh, we've seen before on, uh, on movies and that sort of thing. But we, uh, we looked at each other and we said, uh, we're not going to tell anyone because they'll think we're a bit nuts. Well, I guess they apparently decided to tell someone, and I'm certainly glad that they did. Now, I don't know that Nick's shadow entity experience and this strange marine creature are related in any way, other than that they are both strange occurrences experienced by Nick himself. But regardless, we thank you, Nick, for sharing your stories with us here this evening. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And keep the party rolling by joining us on social media. We have accounts at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. And don't forget to pick up some Monsters Among Us merchandise by visiting the shop tab on the website. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And lastly, music for this episode was provided by Co.AG Music and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening, and until next week. Now, I know tonight's secret entry is going to make more than a few of you a little squeamish. So please welcome Colin from the Boston area to help close this thing out. Hey, Derek, what's up? This is Colin from Boston. Not originally from Boston, but this story actually takes place in Boston uh, a few years before I moved here. It was actually 2002. I was visiting my father, and I was in Somerville area, actually, outside of Boston. And I saw something very unusual, and for many years I've been trying to find out what it could be, and nothing seems to make sense. So I'll paint a picture. It was 2002. I think it was August, actually. It was a nice day out. It was like 6.30, 7 p.m. Sun hadn't really gone down yet. And I was walking near these train tracks that's a commuter rail. It's maybe a 50-foot drop like to the side of this fence. So I'm walking along the fence, which is the way from the normal subway back to where I was staying. 
and I just look over to my right, and between me and this drop-off, there's a fence, right? And you walk along it, it goes along the street, and it's where the commuter rail goes, but there's like a concrete ledge of maybe a foot and a half on the other side of the fence. So I'm walking, and I look, and I see what can only be described as a giant mutant rat. <laughs> I'll describe this thing for you. It, it made my legs turn to, like, jelly instantly. I, I felt like I was going to pass out. It was such an uncanny creature. But I'll paint a picture. It was about the size of a small pit bull or a medium-sized dog. It was very tensed up. You could see the coils in its muscle, you know. I remember through the fur, it was very muscular looking. It had a big segmented rat tail, like ropey, disgusting. <laughs> and I walk by it, I lock eyes with this thing and it looks like it's seething with rage. The best I can describe it is it looked like Splinter from the uh, old Ninja Turtles movie, like almost like an animatronic. If I thought there was a way for someone to install an animatronic, I would almost think it was that because it was just this hideous creature. It was growling at me like a dog, but it had a long rat snout, sharp teeth. And the thing is, people have told me over the years, maybe it was a possum or like a rabid possum. The thing is, it had some attributes of a possum, except for it was covered in dark brown hair, uniform, like splinter. Its eyes were the real kicker. They were these malevolent, very human eyes. It just looked like an evil, angry creature, and I just locked eyes with it for about 30 seconds. It was on the other side of the sledge. It couldn't really get me, but, or I should say it was on the other side of a fence. There was a fence between me and the ledge. So I, I don't know how it got there. I know that they did a lot of construction for the big dig. There's even an X-Files about it back in the day. But uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a hardcore skeptic. But this is a story in the cryptid realm I've never been able to wrap my mind around what this thing was. Like I said, it was like, I would say it was two feet off the ground, that big, like hunched over and just so real and so angry looking, just seething with rage. I almost peed my pants walking by. It was so scary. I got lightheaded. I just kept walking and looking back over my shoulder. And that's my story. Not sure what it could be. Thanks so much, Derek. Keep up the good work. I love the show. Big fan. I started listening last year. So thanks so much. Thank you, Colin. Well, that's certainly an off-putting experience. Let's break this down a bit and see if we can't find ourselves some sort of logical explanation for what Colin saw that day. Now, for starters, rats are, as we know, rodents. So let's begin with other rodents in the area that just might fit this description. Now, of course, there are different woodland rats, which none of these even come close to the size he reported. Then there are muskrats, an aquatic rodent, slightly larger but still not close to the reported size. Then there is my prime suspect, the American beaver. Now those things are much, much larger than you'd think. In fact, beavers in the Massachusetts area reach lengths of four and a half feet, including their massive flat tail. Something I'll touch on more here in a moment. Oh, and here's another surprising statistic. They can weigh in at over 80 pounds. 
Now, they're also abundantly found in the Bay State. And they do appear similar to a rat, both in color and body shape. But this solution is far from perfect. First off, you'd think Colin would know what a beaver looked like when he saw one. Secondly, the tail. It certainly doesn't look like a rope-like rat's tail. And I don't know that any rodent from that area can make a snarling face. I might be wrong on that, but something about the facial structure of most rodents makes me think that's a tall order. I don't think they have the musculature to make facial expressions. I'm sure someone with a pet rat can correct me if I'm wrong on that. So if none of these, what else? Well, for that, we circle back to the out-of-place animal phenomena. Only this time, the creature is much less mysterious. Capybaras are the largest rodents in the world, weighing up to 150 pounds and can usually be found in South America. But now they're cropping up somewhere else and that has wildlife officials concerned. They've been seen in lakes, rivers and marshes of North Florida. Experts worry that they could establish themselves and become an invasive species. But biologists do ask that if you see one in Florida, leave it alone so experts can study them. Now that clip comes to us from the Weather Channel. So, these capybaras have established themselves in Florida. Now that clip is over five years old now, so it's possible that with global warming and perhaps human intervention, a capybara or a group of them could possibly find its way north to Boston. Now these things fit the giant rat description to a T, with one glaring exception. The capybara is relatively tailless, with only a tiny nub protruding. A far cry from the stringy rat tail, Colin described in detail. So who knows? Perhaps the rats in Boston are growing to an unusual size. Either way, thank you again, Colin, for sharing the story. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. Have a good night. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.